just wanted to hop on to speak my truth <laughs> on my terms. Another member of this podcast got me sick, and I was in my room crying. I will beat these the allegations time, in a court of law. At the time of the recording, I was crying, and I just want to let the record reflect that To Pimp a Butterfly is the greatest album of all time, and I was robbed of the opportunity to speak on it. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. The next episode will be better because I will be on it speaking my truth once again. Thanks. Can you do the explicit warning? No. This Fuck. Po- <laughs> this podcast contains explicit language and may not be appropriate for all listeners. If you hear a boof, that's because we accidentally doxed ourselves. Fuck. Yeah. Hannibal, you feeling ready? I'm feeling pretty ready. Oh god, I hate doing podcast. I hate doing like intros to things. Like it feels ridiculously unnatural to like be like, "Hey, welcome up, everybody!" Like I know for what's up, guys. Yeah, what's up, guys? When I know for a fact that like, and my mom isn't isn't even gonna listen to this, but yeah. Yeah, welcome to anyone who is listening. This is episode one of Musical Chairs, which is a podcast that we dreamt up a while ago, but didn't actually put in motion until now. Um, but the but we're con- here. Yeah, we are here. We're out <laughs> the, here. The concept is pretty straightforward. Week one's going to be a little bit different, but we'll explain that in a second. But first things first, I want to give everyone a chance to introduce themselves. Um, we are Sans one host today. Um, Sophia could not be here, but she will be here next week for the first official episode. So it's kind of a moot point. Um, but yeah, first I want to give it over. I'm going to let Mike go first because he's the silliest and will probably be the best way for people to get intro. acquainted with the team. What an <laughs> T- tell us about yourself, Michael. Yeah, uh, I'm Mike Wilson. Uh, big music. You're really enthusiast. just doxing yourself there, aren't, <laughs> aren't you? yeah 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 absolutely I, I i live i live for it um yeah big music enthusiast uh i listen to mostly hip-hop um got a lot of other niches that i connect to but uh i feel uh i, I just love the the art form of hip-hop and rap uh it really touches home with me is there anything else you listen to besides hip-hop uh yeah i listen to a lot of uh i, I listen to a little bit of everything i think the only things i really don't can't really get into typically are like really like old school country music or even the new stuff honestly just country music in general i just can't really get into there's definitely a time and place for it but i typically am not in the time or place for it so yeah when, uh, we, have, when we have luke on the pod that's gonna be like a constant oh yeah we'll, we'll have, we'll, we'll have some good arguments fucking yeah, uncle cracker yeah. um yeah and then one thing that i also we're all gonna provide here is what do you bring to the table and kind of what i mean by that is like like (laughs) why should anyone give a shit about what you have to say i guess is like (laughs) the point of that yeah so i mean i don't think anyone should give a shit about what i have to say uh that's i'm gonna preface it with that um I don't know. I'm just an avid enjoyer of music, uh, and I think that I have pretty lenient opinions. Uh, I can literally listen to just about anything or appreciate it at least. I'm going to throw it over to Hanny now. Um, Hanny, feel free to not dox yourself when you introduce yourself. Uh, and But yeah, who are you? What or you dox yourself. To? Or dox yourself. Yeah, if you want to take the mic <laughs> route and have people... <laughs> literally knowing who's behind the dog shit takes that can I dox Mike Mike, his mother's address on the podcast uh yeah no it'll be in the show guys uh Mike's address my social security number is actually uh in the show notes for this episode (laughs) Um, okay but to to get going I'm Hanny (laughs) full name Hannibal music enthusiast I'm here for a good time I hope you're here for a good time and uh, here for a good time not a long time yeah that's me um and what do i bring to the table 
Uh, I am our resident minority. I'm the black voice on the podcast. Oh lord! Giving giving all my oh, racial. Oh lord! I'm, I'm not allowed, I'm not allowed to respond to that. <laughs> and I'm also just big big music man. Uh, I've been listening to this shit my whole life. I live and breathe this shit. I literally wake up to Baby Keem playing. That's not a joke. Um, it's a good way to wake up. But yeah, I just just super big on music i love talking about it that's why i'm here with my good friends jackson mike and eventually sophia Mm -hmm. i think also uh what's probably important is to just let everyone know that like how we all connect yeah we can get to that i i think we can go to that one after um we're done with these introductions i think that will be something maybe to cover next week Maybe no, so we could we could we could cover that now. Yeah, we, we could. Um, it, yeah. yeah, a little about me. So I guess I'm kind of the unofficial overall host. I want all of us to be hosts equally, but at first I'm the one who does the recordings and stuff. So you know, in the credits at the end, usually when they give a bunch of credits to people who are trained in this stuff, um, I'm not trained in this stuff. I'm doing all of this just on a desktop in my one bedroom in New York, but. Yeah, I'm Jackson. Um, I'm a grad student, so you have to trust everything I say about everything because I. Yeah, he he has a fact checker next to him. Yeah, so. I'm paying thousands of dollars for another piece of paper, so you have to like take my word as gospel. But no, um, I would say that I probably have a slightly different taste from Hanny and Mike. Music-wise, I definitely lean more into alternative stuff, but I listen to a lot of instrumental stuff like classical music and jazz, which is partially because of just the way I was raised. My parents are both classical musicians, um, and that kind of feeds the what I bring to the table, I guess, which is that I've played music my whole life. Um, I've been engaging in conversations about music, whether I want to or not, since I was a little kid, because when I was younger, my dad would turn anything into a music lesson. Um, when we would watch Fantasia, my dad would start giving, I was like, I would be like four years old and he would start telling me the history behind whatever piece was on the screen while I'm watching like Disney's rendition of like an acid trip. Um, but yeah, no. So I think that a lot of the times when I think about albums, especially if I'm really trying to like engage with an album, I definitely will get a little more, um the music i would say like music criticism stuff that i learned through diffusion just across the years why am i still getting notification sounds on my computer this is fucking ridiculous <laughs> um take, take three what did i, I do know. this week you're pretty uh, fun now, michael i've been giving a lot of uh classic rock albums a listen lately um so I've been listening to a lot of, I, I, for a long time, I've been listening to uh, like Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, uh, things like that. I, I've been really fascinated lately by the, uh, like, the the really psychedelic classic rock. Um, I just think that just in nature, it's a really interesting art form, uh, especially with the influence of drugs and how the music is so prevalently changed just because of the influence of drugs on it. Well, so yeah, that's, that, that's what I did this week. week. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one way to spend my week analyzing. I did not do that this week. Uh, I did a lot of homework this week. Um, yeah, uh, we should also say that we're all actually students as well. So. Yeah, I know. This is like a pet project for so, all of us. That's the other thing. It's, none of us are like music critics, critics or musicians at all. Like, I, I think part of this is that we all just like enjoy arguing about things and i think that the natural conclusion of that is usually we should make a podcast or some dumb shit like that so yeah i agree um hey what's the weirdest thing that happened to you this week uh weirdest thing uh so this is gonna be a pretty redacted story because it was at, it was at my job but um <laughs> nda like so i got i got a phone call from a kid talking about how he effectively just got expelled from the university for things he did not know he did. And uh, he was very upset, so I had to deal with him. 
and not 10 minutes after I hung up the call with this kid, kid like as in student, college student, um, his mother calls with all the same question. And I'm just like, man, like, what am I doing here? Yeah, he and, got expelled. Uh, league, it sounds like he got expelled for things he didn't know he did. Well, he he claims that he did nothing wrong, but he definitely did, and it definitely went through the whole process, and he definitely had it coming for him. Was it like cheating? No, it was like uh, misconduct. I'll say I won't elaborate. Yeah. Damn, I don't understand when people don't understand like. I mean, this is like the uh, I I'm about to sound like a fucking boomer right now, or just like George Costanza hitting the like we live in a society button. But like, when college kids just don't understand that you can get punished for things, it always blew my fucking mind. Especially when I was an undergrad, like I always felt like I always felt like I would get like I would hear about these kids who would like use their you know how you get do you guys get a free strike at move. Oh my god! I just identified your universe. <laughs> we're gonna have to bleep that I'm one out. Yeah. We're, we're, we're gonna definitely have to edit that bleep out real quick. Uh, I'm gonna uh, bleep that one out. Don't let me forget to bleep that out. Um, yeah. Do you guys get a free strike at your school? Uh, depends on the thing. I remember I don't, I don't know. kids at my school for, for a lot of things you do, but kids at my depends. school would like always end up using their first strike. I and I never even like got close. Like. I know I had one close friend who used their like first strike and it was because they got like alcohol poisoning and that was like it. But I knew so many kids who wow. broke the plagiarism like and it was an accident. Like he used it and then like never had a problem again, which is like the purpose of the first strike. It's like usually after they break the rules once that badly, they're not going to again. It's because they're college kids and they're smart. I guess I can't paint with a broad brush on that one necessarily, but uh, no, but I knew so many people who would like cheat on on stuff, and that would be how they use their first strike, and like be bad at cheating and get caught very easily. And I just did not understand that. But maybe that was not true for you guys. Yeah, I'm not. I, I've never personally uh, had a run in with a uh, boof, um, but uh, I cannot imagine it's a fun time. I'm sure that all parties are upset about it. It's a um, fun time. Insightful. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think the, the the desk workers want to deal with it as much as, you know, the kids getting expelled from school definitely don't want to deal with it. So, yeah, I feel like I also just think that students get a generally long leash, and getting expelled means you pro- like probably did something really fucking dumb. But yeah, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know if I, the only weird thing that happened to me this week is where we live in New York. Um, we live near a nonprofit center for. Um, I don't know if it's for the homeless, but it's definitely for people who. I think it's for the homeless, and for it's supposed to be like a halfway house, but it's supposed to be more holistic because it's a nonprofit. But they have a new resident who kind of just starts screaming sometimes. Um, yes. And at around 1 a.m. last night, they started yelling at their mom, who was not there. But it was mm-hmm. kind of funny. It wasn't funny, but it also was because I, I like went and looked out the window. And you can kind of see in because they leave the lights on 24-7. And I like went to go check what was going on, and this person is yelling at their mother who doesn't exist. And there's just a dude who's literally got he had the fuck the fucking Dixie cup in one hand, and he was just hanging. Yeah, out. <laughs> yeah. He was just chilling. He's getting the lecture. We call it the New York lecture. <laughs> he was just chilling. Um, but yeah, I felt bad for Sophia because she like goes out to go to the bathroom at like one in the morning, and then wakes me up, and she's just like, um. I'm, like, afraid to go into the living room, so I had to shut the window. But, yeah, no, I, I feel like, though, that's just the experience of living in New York, and honestly, the fact that it doesn't phase me anymore is probably just not a great sign. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so enough about stuff that doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about more stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah, let's talk about even more stuff that doesn't matter. So, normally, we would have an album that somebody picked for us this week, but... 
to kind of just dip our toes in here, we're going to pick one that all of us know really well. And we might get roasted for the fact that it is kind of a, like, I guess it's not that generic of a pick. But I think I think it's it's somewhat mainstream, but it's Which it, is, it's sorry. such a good project that I, I think that we should be able to get a pass for it. I, I think it's funny because I think that it's a mainstream now, but not like really. It's just that picking it feels very like it's like cliche. Of course, yeah, it's like of course yeah. they would pick that. So we're doing to Pippa Butterfly, and yeah. I I want to attach a huge disclaimer on this, which is like. None of us here listened to, to Pimp a Butterfly in like 2019 for the first time and then realized like black people exist. Like that wasn't that's not like the perspective we're coming into with this. I think all of us have been listeners of it for a while and we picked this I think because it's something that all of us feel very like comfortable talking about in very like rich terms. So yeah, oh, almost it's, it's almost like the opposite actually of what every other week will be like, but I don't know if you guys have anything to add on that just from the outset, but yeah. So, I mean, I think that, you know, it is definitely a, a parameter here that uh, I think all of us have been listening to it pretty much since it became relevant. Um, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, when, when I listened to it, uh, I'm not sure, you know, if we're giving out yeah, any well, information I... ages or anything, but um when this song came out i was actually 14 so a little bit new to the whole you know understanding really what music was um but i did listen to it uh maybe not the first day it came out but definitely the week of and a lot of fond memories um one one of the first real albums that i was really able to appreciate um especially in you know like in the hip-hop rap scene so i i definitely feel like you know we have at least somewhat of a unique perspective on it I don't know. What do you, would you agree, Hannibal? What do you think? Yeah. And I mean, especially for me personally, like I mentioned it earlier, I'll say it again. Like I grew up around this. I didn't listen to the album per se as soon as it came out, but the album was getting played around me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, so, you were surrounded by it more than you were like seeking it out. Yeah. Yeah. But I think definitely around 2016, it's like a year or so after is when I really got into it and, like, was listening to whole albums top to bottom myself. But it's always been around me. So it's, like, it's not something new to me, and it's not, like, I don't know, this commodity. Like, this is always something that's been there. Yeah, I think that that's... When we were preparing for this, and I'm using that term loosely, um, I was actually thinking a lot about my first experience with it, and... I actually, this is one of those rare albums where I actually remember the first time I listened to it. I think that's true for every Kendrick album except Good Kid, Mad City, because I was too young to, like, give enough of a shit about something like that. But, um, first of all, thinking about when I first listened to it made me feel really old, because I realized this album is, like, going to be seven years old this year, or is seven years old this year, which is crazy. It is seven, yeah. Because I feel like it did not come out that long ago. Um, It still feels like very fresh um but i actually listened to it for the first time the day it came out in physics class in high school um yeah it was ridiculous i i like had finished my work and then my friend Devin, who sat at my table was like kendrick lamar just dropped an album (laughs) and i was like damn okay and of course at that point it was also a bigger deal because good kid mad city i think was really the only relevant project that he had out like people people will lie and tell you that they listened to section 80 back then and that's just like not true like section 80 became relevant after gta 5 and i will die on that hill um and nowadays it's definitely way more listened to because i think generally now that everyone has spotify that's the other thing is spotify wasn't nearly what it was what at least when i like listened to this so i actually bought it on itunes which is crazy to think about yeah, that, um, that's that's a really good point. Actually, I think is that, uh, you know, I think a lot of these artists, you know, a, a lot of, of hip hop artists, especially from this this era, kind of, you know, some of their earlier work kind of goes unnoticed in their earlier, like when they're picking up steam and everything, because streaming wasn't what it used to be. 
Yeah. And you used to have to buy the whole album. I think it was, you know, an album would be like what? It'd be like six or seven bucks, ten bucks maybe. More. Like to Pippin Butterfly oh, really? was like thirteen dollars. Yeah. Wow, yeah. So, you know, for for just one piece of music and you know, it wasn't easy to like, you know, it wasn't as easy as it is now to just, you know, pick up open Spotify on your phone and, you know, search to put a butterfly and turn on Wesley's theory. Like it wasn't as easy to just start listening to the album. So that's a great, I think that it's a, yeah, it's a t- times have definitely been changing, uh, you know, just in the music industry in general. But I think that uh, definitely for this era, you know, where they were in that kind of transition period of kind of going from, the like you know everyone wanted to own their music everyone wanted to have control over their their libraries and now you know on my phone just a couple clicks away mm-hmm. i have access to you know millions you know perhaps more songs albums you know podcasts everything so just media in general has changed i think especially the past like 10 years and yeah I think that, a big consideration. that's something I didn't really think about is just the like context for how I could listen to the album back then. And the fact that like, it, I remember burning a CD in my car too, like, because I didn't have an aux in my car and yeah. I did have a CD player though. Um, and so I bought an iTunes, burned it to a CD and that was, and so my, a lot of my memories of listening to that album actually come from like driving to and from school and work and listening to it because mm-hmm. it wasn't something I listened to when I was like doing workouts for baseball or something like that. It felt weird to listen to that when I was doing that, but I have a really distinct memory of kind of being worried when it came out. I remember I did not like Black or the Berry which in hindsight is that take aged like shit. Um, Cause now I love black of the berry and I'm not going to get too deep into that now, but I remember um, I was really worried that it was going to be more experimental than I liked. And at that point I was definitely putting on more of a front of how much instrumental music I liked because I was not old enough to really like jazz, but I was pretending like I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember literally freaking the fuck out when Wesley's Theory came on for the first time, because I that intro was just so fucking good. And I at that point, because of just how much smaller my personal catalog was, it was so like unusual for me to hear like an intro like that and to realize that I was going to be hearing this complete album project. Mm-hmm. And then I think what's funny is that my initial take on the album was it's really, really good, but I felt like a lot of my own opinions about it were kind of spoon fed by other people. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's, true i know hanny you said that you felt like you were kind of surrounded by it but like i actually kind of know what you mean by that because i think that what happened i just i just remember fantano comes out with his 10 out of 10 review i just remember like all the critics coming out and being like this is the greatest album of all time and i don't think that i really had a choice of whether or not i liked it you know mm-hmm. yeah i think also before we delve you know into the like really nitty-gritty details of the album and everything it's probably important for anyone that doesn't know what the you know what we're talking about about the album oh yeah i get uh, the facts out of the way but yeah so yeah. uh the album is called to Pim a butterfly uh it's by kendrick lamar um mm-hmm. it came out in march i think march, march 15, 2015 yep march 15th so 16 yeah 15th. it's a it's a really interesting amalgamation of of songs um most of it's hip-hop uh, but it does include like a lot of influence from like funk music, a lot of jazz influence mm-hmm. uh, has its place on the album. Uh, it's it's really like, I mean, not only is the album like just te- technically interesting, but I feel that it's all it also has like a really big part in like experimental hip hop with the fusion mm-hmm. of you know like it being progressive. A lot I know a lot of people I've heard it talked about as a conscious hip hop album. Uh, you know, being that he kind of speaks a lot about himself and about his own experience and how that's like changed how uh, he views the world and, and how he like views his own issues and other issues and political issues. And so, yeah, so it's uh, 
I'm not. I think there's what twelve songs on it. Um, Forget exactly how many tracks there are. Um, there are sixteen tracks. Sixteen tracks. Thank right, God, was, Hannibal. With them being interludes. Thank God, Hannibal yes. is just like <laughs> Wikipedia. Yeah, he's, over he's here. correct. I wrote down some other facts. Um, I tried to write down noteworthy facts about the recording process, but I was reading about the recording process and nothing was really that noteworthy. I'm going to be honest. It sounds just like Kendrick just got people in a room and made music with them for the most part. Um, some interesting producer hits. I think something worth talking about here because I think now producer lists are definitely always go- are, are more consistently looking like this. I do think that this album really kicked off the sort of like jam session environment too. Like not just having like a few producers who make a few beats for you, but like getting a lot of people in a room together at various stages. So, you know, if you look at this, it's got flying Lotus, Pharrell Williams, Thundercat. um, Yeah. And then, like, a lot of the people who are always producing for Kendrick, like Soundwave and Terrace Martin. But I don't know. Um, I think something that's maybe worth starting out with is just what your favorite parts of the album are. What do you love about it? Wait, um, can I share a fun fact first, though? Yeah, Hannibal. Go I, I did have a fun fact already. Um, so... The album to Pimp a Butterfly was initially titled To Pimp a Caterpillar, uh, spelled yeah. T-U, which abbreviates to Tupac in a sense, if you take oh. two and then pimp a caterpillar, mm-hmm. uh, which was Kendrick's idol growing up. Uh, and I remember in an interview, he was talking about how uh, the reason he changed it was because... Butterfly has a much more like positive connotation versus a caterpillar, which is like a pretty neutral animal. But like butterflies are honestly are often seen as a sign of happiness. Mm-hmm. And but the word pimp, on the other hand, was a very aggressive word. Mm-hmm. So that's why he uh, changed the name to Pimp a Butterfly instead of Pimp a Caterpillar in honor of Tupac. Yeah. I think it's also, know you know, that. just going off a little bit of what Hannibal said there, just about Tupac's influence uh, on the album. Mm-hmm. There's overall, I mean, there's there's countless. I mean, on, on the last song, Mortal Man, um, there's even Kendrick having a an interview with Tupac. Um, but I, he's mentioned countless times. I know that, uh, you know, he had an effect on the title there. But uh, he also, uh, I'm not sure if this is conjecture. I'm pretty sure this is uh, verifiable, but... Uh, in the song "You," uh, in the beginning, when he's saying uh, "loving you is complicated, loving you is complicated," I believe that's actually a uh, paying homage to uh, a poem by Tupac as well. I think it's uh, "loving is just complicated." Um, oh, I actually didn't know that. Yeah, so it's it's interesting, you know. Just and I think you know, being Kendrick Lamar, like you know how he was at the time, you know, just still picking up steam, making a name for himself, and everything, just to pay homage to one of the all-time greats of, of hip-hop and rap is, you know, just great in his wheelhouse, I feel. Yeah, I want to, just, like, to confirm that, that is, like, true. The Loving You is Complicated does form of the reference to the Tupac poem. I actually did my final essay from my English and Disability class on the song You, and so that is a verifiable fact. <laughs> We need to get Kendrick. Cool we need to get Kendrick on the pod so he can like provide oh, like wish. The official lyrics genius like certification. I would do un- unspeakable <laughs> things to have a cup of coffee with Kendrick Lamar. We should have Jad as a guest on here. Jad has like I think like a significant like amount of IQ on lyric genius. Like I think he's like verified on lyric genius or something like that because he contributes <laughs> regularly. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about what you love. What you love about it. Um, Hanny, what do you love about this album? For me, what took over is the instrumentals. Um, when I was listening to this album when I was younger, I thought they were weird because that's not what was in hip-hop at the time. Nobody was rapping over jazz beats the way Kendrick was. So, like, back then I thought it was really weird, but it's grown to become, like, my favorite part of the album. 
is just how unique the instrumentals that he uses throughout the album are. And the other thing that I love is the way um, the whole like poem thing in the background, how it pieces together throughout the song. Yes. And yeah, cool. I, that was definitely really cool to again, see come together for yeah, the first time. When I was 16, never really like never listened to an album really like that before that like blew my fucking mind that you were allowed to do that you know like it was like it felt i was like why does nobody do that? people have done it before but like that was like i don't know that was like one of those moments when i was 16 where i was like oh man i'm it's i listen to cool music just because of that like fact alone yeah i mean and i think kendrick is almost known for that i feel like Mm-hmm. you know if, if you're gonna listen if, if, if you're looking for just rap that you're just gonna like sing along to about like you know money and women and drugs and everything then i, I feel like you know kendrick's not really your guy um I, I feel like he's notorious for having those connections between his songs and making the album so cohesive that i mean it, it's gotten to the point at least for me now that if i'm gonna listen to a song off the album i might as well just play through the whole album once. yeah i agree with you on that i, one. I mean it's just I, it, it goes so yeah. well together it's just like its own piece of of art it, yeah. it doesn't really do it justice like like hearing the songs in context to each other just makes it so much more fulfilling as a listener and yeah i i just i think that's just something you know that he's just kind of brought up as well that a lot of people have other started doing as well a lot of other rappers have kind of taken a piece from that i think as well Something that I really love about the album, and even back then I thought was really impressive, was that he still managed to make some, like, bops, even though they're very, like, yes, unusual. Like, King Kunta is a very strange crowd pleaser, you know? Yeah. Like, when you it, think it, about it. It doesn't fit the, the rap, like, you, you wouldn't turn on the little Pump album and be like, ah... Oh hell this yeah! Sounds like, this, this, yeah. It, oh, hell yeah! This is exactly <laughs> what I was expecting to hear. Yeah, but like King Kuta is, it gets you going. Like it, it literally is. It's like the baseline is an actual fucking baseline, but like, it's, thank you, Thundercat. Yeah, thank you, Thundercat. Uh, but it, it like, I can like pump my fist, fist to it. You know, like mm-hmm. it's that was something that I thought was really. I remember people thought I was crazy for also like blasting wesley's theory um i think that was the other thing was that back then i did a lot more listening to music in cars with people and so i had to listen to king kunta a lot because i can't play you like i I can't you know have the hose crying music going while i'm driving to mcdonald's at like one in the morning with a bunch of people Mm -hmm. you know um but yeah no like king kunta and all right like are both just like just so well put together they're so compact and so tight and like and are just a really really good like energy moments in an album they, that they are really like certified radio hits yeah like, there's no exactly. other way to put it but that's what's which crazy. crazy yeah that's what's crazy especially and i mean you know all right's kind of a cheat code because pharrell literally will if you give pharrell like an idea and he will make you a single that will chart like and that's just a reality of the situation but yeah no i will say that that's something that i was loved was that you really could kind of pick and choose what you you how you like consume the album so you could listen to it with your friends parts of it or you could just listen to it in one stream like with a nice pair of headphones you know yeah that was something that was really impressive to me yeah i think for me, the the most just overwhelming, impressive thing, at least for me, and in my personal context, is uh, this like kind of return to late nineteen nineteen uh, nineties and like early two thousands hip hop of like the jazz beats, mm-hmm. uh, and Kendrick even taking it a step further um, with like really in your face like saxophone riffs uh, on you know several of the songs. There's like just kind of what would seem like out of place on like on you there's like that super dissonant saxophone in the beginning um yeah and that just resonates with me a lot because uh a lot of my like past history is uh, like a really big appreciation for jazz uh my grandfather was 
extremely into jazz and um was just kind of his thing and i just kind of picked it up as well from him uh throughout childhood and it's just always been like a big part of me so i feel like i can really appreciate how he's so effortlessly able to just combine these two genres which you know at, at some level are connected you know i i feel that's really an important thing as well is that jazz is definitely connected to to hip-hop but for him to just kind of bring like these instruments that you just you just wouldn't see that especially for the time mm-hmm. you know for, for the hip-hop coming out of the time like you know i know another album that came out this year that was a huge like you know hype album for me that i still listen to all the time and in, in my opinion it's uh this artist's best album but uh if you're reading this it's too late by drake uh when when he released that that was like that's what i was expecting from a hip-hop album and you know for these two to exist i I think they came out the same year i think they came out that mixtape came out you can see yeah i I think uh if you're reading this it's too late came out before to be butterfly but i do remember listening to parts of it and being like wow this is really good rap this is really good hip-hop this is really good music uh, and then you know, Tim Butterfly comes out, and it's just kind of like a a point of like reflection, at least mm-hmm. for my, for, you know, for yourself. Like, you know, th- these can both these both of these albums can coexist in the genre and be so completely different. And you know, Drake album Drake's album is more about like, you know, what I was saying earlier, just like that the kind of gritty like hype up kind of rap music for like the parties or whatever. And while cool. it is still very good it's just not at least in my opinion it's not commensurate to the level of you know the work that kendrick was doing at the time i think i i mean i'm i'm disclaimer for future listeners is i just do not like drake um, but i think you raise a really good point which is that this is like stating the obvious, which is that nobody else was really doing what he was doing. I, D'Angelo had Black Messiah that year, which was very similar, or maybe a year yeah. afterwards. Um, but after Good Kid, Mad, Good Kid, Mad City was definitely pretty commercial, um, and you can know you can listen to it as a stream, like a a full concept album. But it also every song also can kind of stand alone a lot better, I think, or most of them can. Mm-hmm. Um, Drake, I think, is a very interesting parallel to draw. One because I'm pretty sure Kendrick and Drake don't like each other. I don't really get involved in rap in like rap beef stuff. Um, but like Sophia, when is when Sophia and I listen to Poetic Justice, for example, we always make fun of Drake's verse, not because it's bad, but because his, Kendrick's verses are so like. They're just like really, really eloquent and well thought out things about like how complicated it is to like be in love, I guess, you know, like especially when you're not just in love, you're also in lust. But the drinks are literally just like, damn, girl, you're hot and I'm mad about it, you know? Like, yeah. And so I think that that's something that I, I always wondered. If, I know Drake has like kind of seen him. I feel like, you know, he's kind of struggled to get out of the box in the last few years. And I often wonder if he's ever felt like he can't do this kind of project, you know, because I, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of his concept albums have always not really taken off as much as his just regular ones. But I could be speaking out of line there because, again, I also am biased against him. <laughs> you yeah, guys so- know better than I would. Yeah, pro- probably my fault, but I think maybe we should reel the conversation back towards. Uh, oh yeah, 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 Kendrick yeah, here. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably shouldn't have brought up the. No, the I think that that's Drake, a good. But... Po- I mean, that's a good point though, because um, something, and this is a very interesting question in the context of an album that I think all of us would give a ten, which is, what do you, what don't you like about it? And I think that that's oh. something that I can answer. I haven't. I've had an answer to this question since like day one. I don't know if Hannibal has an answer. I'll let you go first. I have always thought Mortal Man was way too long and very like self indulgent. Yeah, I don't think it's bad. I, I want to be yeah. clear. I just think- I, I I think I don't know. It's it's hard. 
Uh, I think it's a cool concept, but the more you listen to it, that was like the first time on the album I was like, okay, Kendrick, like, <laughs> like it's, and then like, and you know, but then of course I'm saying this where if you listen to the album as a full concept and you get to the end and that's how it fades out, then you're like, holy shit. But like, I've always thought it was the weakest one and I always thought it was kind of self inflating, you know? But that could also just be me speaking out of line. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. Yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting take. And I don't disagree with it entirely. But you guys are way too polite. I'm trying to think of something bad to say. Yeah, I'm trying to give views, bro. Outrage, bro. I'm trying to think of something that's going to get some views. Ready? Hold on. Here, Hannibal, you go, then let me think of something. And to be quite honest with you, that's that was the first thing that jumped to mind when you asked what my complaint was. Is I'm not a fan of long albums in general, so an hour and 18 is already pushing it. But then having that twelve minute track on the end, it's a little it's a little much. Like there's there's parts of it that just, in my opinion, don't really need to be there. Like there's definitely a good bit of filler. Which while it it's not intentional for any reason, because Kendrick doesn't gain anything by having a longer song. Yeah. But I just I do agree that I feel like it could be shorter. I think for um, me it's just when I listen to the interview now too, I just it just feels goofy to me too. Like the more you listen to it, the more you're kind of just like it is weird that he's pretending to talk to Tupac. Like, you know, and he's like making up things that like Tupac is responding to, but that's it. I don't know. But again, I I think that that's a great moment too where like that's just it that probably is me not really grasping what he was going for, you know. Yeah, I think if I had to kind of, you know, take any points off at all for this album, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, it, it's hard for me to do that already, but I think if I had to take anything, any points off, it would just maybe be that, you know, the, the album kind of, kind of, oh, excuse me, the album does kind of uh, jump around a little bit in, in terms of like its content. So, you know, you start off and it, it's kind of, it starts off kind of political, um, and then it delves into more of like a an introspective view when you get to like um you know like all right and you and uh like mama uh and it kind of hops around there for a little bit and then it, it kind of ends back as being um you know more like outwardly political and i i hate to demerit for that um i don't want to take anything away from it again i i feel like it's warranted here but um i guess you know, it depends on who you ask as well. I feel like, you know, listening to the album out of context of the entire album, you know, it's really easy for it to become misconstrued. And yeah, um, yeah, it, it just, I don't know. It's it's hard for me in the first place to take any points off. I mean, this, this album is just really near and dear to me. I think that, and, no, I think you make a really good point. Something that this, I think that this was my biggest criticism of Mr. Morale which was that he bit off more than he could chew. And I think that to pimp a butterfly in some ways is a better, like it, 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 to your point, he's covering a lot of themes. And I think that's part of why I didn't like Moral Man was that I feel like he ends up finishing on a note of like his relationship with Tupac and the scene in general, which to me kind of takes it away from a lot of, what I felt like the album was gearing towards, you know? So I think that you make a good point, which is that there's a lot of bases for him to cover. And I think sometimes he, you know, doesn't necessarily stay on track with that, but it's definitely still better executed than um, a lot of projects that try to do the same thing. You know, like I feel like mm -hmm. all of us can probably name some other albums um, and we can segue into that next, but other albums that have tried to do similar things and have had different levels of success with that. I don't know, Hanny, if you have anything to add to that. Uh, yeah, so the only thing that um, I wish I could change about this album is the two interludes we have um, for free and for sale. I, I feel like for sale especially is already like long enough to just be a song. I always forget it's and, an interlude, actually. I yeah. forgot until you told me. <laughs> 
free could be a short song, but I feel like for free had the space to be longer as well. I I kind of wish they didn't have interlude tags on them, because I feel like that kind of takes away from the song. People would definitely chalk it up to an interlude, when yeah. they definitely are much more than that. Like they definitely have a lot going on in them. That's my one thing that I'm not the biggest fan of is those two songs being considered interludes. Yeah, I think um something i also want to add to that is uh i think that something that i also just remembered too is when i listened to this album with sophia one of the hardest one of the hardest laughs i've ever gotten out of sophia this was i think we didn't know each other by that much no no this was pretty deep into when we were dating um was unveiling that i can like do the uh, moans at the beginning of these walls like pretty much perfectly. But I, I think what's funny is I feel like that's something that a lot of my guy friends know how to do. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, would you kind yeah. of demonstrate? <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like it's a skill that you learn in middle school when your friends, like parents call them, call them and you just start moaning in the background and like fuck with yeah. them. And so mm-hmm. when I listen to these walls, we talk about it's like that could easily be like one of my friends, like you know, like <laughs> they could have gotten a seventeen-year-old guy to do those, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs> so yeah, so what what part of the album for both of you guys? I think let's go with what what moved you the most. What what really stuck with you? Man, that's a good question. Hmm. Um, I probably I, I, I can I can uh, go first. Go first, or... Mike. Sure. So, um, I've been talking about uh, the song "You" a lot, but I think it's I don't know. The song is just so complex and like powerful that it, I, I just think it deserves the attention that we're giving it. But uh, so yeah, I, I've written a lot of uh a couple not a lot i've written like maybe two or three essays uh in my education related to this album uh i do have a minor in music production so uh i've you know written some pieces about he, he uh, makes vaporwave beats for credit yeah mm-hmm, yeah dm me <laughs> if you need a beat um but uh yeah i, I think the song you is just it, it's so emotional and intense uh, especially in the beginning and uh, I remember when I was doing research uh, for a paper a couple of years ago, I came across a, I was a professor from, I think, Cambridge, um, but they, they described, uh, like Kendrick Lamar speaking on the album, as the street poet of mental health, uh, talking about how he can discuss topics like, you know, depression, anxiety, um, like dealing with traumatic events, uh, addiction, you know, losing people around you, things like that. And I think in the song, you, the, the switch of, you know, him just kind of talking to himself and saying, you know, like, you know, you, the reason why mama ain't my mom and then leaving, like, you know, him just demeaning himself and being so self-deprecating. It's, it's almost uncomfortable, at least for me, Mm -hmm. when I was really able to come to and, appreciate the album on a first listen you know when i listened to it all the way through and i was able to actually you know make my own opinion about it i feel like this was maybe not immediately my my most favorite part because it was so intense and you know he's self-deprecating so like intentionally but i I feel now that it's one of the more important parts of the album you know because it shows that you know the, the struggles he goes through in his own head you know doing the things he does and you know talking about you know what his lyrics are about and everything i think it's just really an interesting song it's a really interesting perspective i think for a song like talking about how much he you know his regrets and about how he misses his friend and just things like that like someone that he considered his little brother so i i think that it's just really moving it definitely moved me Every time I listen to it, it still moves me. Um, yeah, and and just the 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 subtle nuances in the song as well. Like you know, but between some of the verses, you can heal here, you can heal, 
you can hear like uh like the bottle the the proposed bottle that yeah. he's like drinking on you can hear it like shaking that's some of the and, best production on the album that that's yeah, like and, and insane speaking of production in this song especially uh right before the like what you would consider i don't know like the second verse or like the first real like fluent rap verse on on the song the you know if you ever listen to it with headphones on the uh the like housekeeping made or whatever the sample is before it like goes back and forth between your ears and it's just really like a really trippy very well produced like just yeah piece did, Flo just, did flying lotus do that it's feels uh, his style you know like i don't know but i would definitely not be surprised that's probably a really good I'm guess gonna, yeah i'm gonna look it up um Here, i would say that yeah mike you look it up while i talk um I think for me, I would have said you in the past. Um, I think that's one of my initial reactions to Mr. Morale was, okay, so this is you, the album. Um, but I think nowadays, this is going to be a weird pick maybe, but I think it's the spoken word at the end of I. Um, I think the, the choice to like do a, basically another skit um, where there's a fight that breaks out of the concert. But I think, you know, and this was something I thought about a lot once I got to college and I started studying linguistics. But to me, that spoken word puts into perspective something that I think is really important with a lot of how we talk about, like, culture and understanding people's culture, which is that everyone has a very personal understanding of the words that they use and also just everyone's mind is shaped by the words that they use yes and yes. i'm not you saying that as like a as a re, like a unusual reaction to the like the history of the n-word or something like that like i was decently well educated in like topics relating to that because i went to like public schools in a city you know um i think what really stuck out to me with that and why i take so much more power from it now is it's just like a really like evocative statement on how you can kind of like make your own meaning of things and i think it's one of the most concise ways of explaining how you like take ownership of a word but at the same time while also acknowledging like it's not as simple as like you know one person can appropriate it in this way and suddenly it's appropriated like that stuff is complicated and when I did a lot of um, research and study on language socialization, that spoken word just became way more powerful to me because I realized, just I don't know, like I, I realized how, like in a very short span, he described like just how personalized we are to like, or how personal, um, like how personal our own interpretations of things are, I guess like at the word level you know like i have my own idea for what like i have my own idea for what different words to describe me would mean and like yeah. and so i think that that's something that i just the like linguistics researcher part of me finds fascinating that he like worked that in and managed to do it in a way that just really like hits home and also the like production there is really good where the sound slowly fades out and like it forces you to pay attention to what he has to say. And that's just, I think, a really, really powerful like moment. Definitely. Yeah. Annie, I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah. So uh, funny enough, I was going to actually say the same part you mentioned, the spoken word at the end of I. <laughs> um, for different reasons, but... Uh... So I'm from Ethiopia. I was going to say, was is born it because there. you're Ethiopian? <laughs> I was debating if I should say that. Uh, but yeah, I was I was born in Ethiopia and like coming here and all that. But like listening to this album and hearing that spoken word at the end of the, at the end of the song was one of the first times that I felt like, like I've always felt like represented by the black community as well. But then like that part in I really like felt like it represented me because this is a word i've always known nigus the traditional pronunciation of it 
it's like it's always been in my head but it, this isn't a connection that i would have ever made on my own so yeah. that was really interesting to see and it's like I don't know. It just it really touched me the first time I I think I heard that. something I want to add to my statement is I remember I took a class called Words in Mind, and one of the things we talked about was research into how words go from being something that I've always gotten frustrated with is when people try to justify like misuse of different slurs, and the, they'll mm. say like, "Well, why is it a slur for some people, and why like why is it a slur in some communities but not a slur in others?" And I'm like, "Because that's how." like fucking words work like i don't know how else to put it but like words are complicated and every word has a really complicated origin story and like the fact is is our meaning of for words are socially constructed and so i just get pissed off when people try to basically argue that like well if you remove all the context for the word it's not that bad i'm like well yeah no shit like because it's meaningless like of, aside yeah. from just like dictionary definition like yeah sure that word has like that word at a very very stripped down level means this but that's also like it's just dumb if that was how language worked then we would have like no metaphors or anything like that you know like we wouldn't have any like extra meaning to anything everything would be so fucking cut and dry that like everything would be boring so mm -hmm. i always i would i felt like i really liked that because it was a very like it was a much i would say much more like um it's just like such a good way of demonstrating like it is stupid to pretend like these words don't have all these different things that are feeding into them you know but yeah i just Absolutely. wanted to amend my yeah, and i, I think going off a little bit of that a little bit from actually what you both said um just kind of overall for all music i, I think something that's so interesting you know especially now in today's world with so many like, you know, there's so many different genres of music and subgenres and everything. How, you know, things can be interpreted so differently based on your experience and your perspective. And how, you know, for Hannibal, the, you know, the ending of I has, you know, has such a deep meaning because of his perspective. And how just, I don't know, how, how we can all have these ties to these songs and you know the, how what they mean to everyone is completely different that mm -hmm. idea of like you know every everyone is living in their own like life you know like it's so hard to grasp that idea of like mm -hmm. you know everyone has a complete unique experience yeah. completely unique experience and um, especially pertaining to music it's just a really interesting thought yeah. experiment i think um we can talk about interpretation another day. We'll have my dad give a guest lecture or something like that. Um, okay, so closing out here, we have one more topic to cover, which is um, normally this will be this track in music history where we talk about something that came out this week, maybe an album, uh, maybe a single. This week there wasn't anything that interesting. Um, Afro Man hit the top of the charts this week, apparently, in 2001. Um, but... Let's go. What came if out if this you don't mind, I, I do have a track that did come out this week. I don't know if you've heard it, Jackson. But, Which one? Um, the PB the PG Baby remix by Red Veil featuring Denzel Curry. Yes. Oh, like this week, like this year, or like in the past? Oh yeah, I thought you were talking about like this. This no 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 no. Lots of shit came out this week. <laughs> I mean, like while back stuff that came out oh yeah. like this week in history yeah oh. i mean on the on the agenda it says in music history jackson i can't read okay that's true um but Why yeah do you know some, so much music? <laughs> um the ipod was released this week this like, week 21 years ago yeah wow. i thought that was really interesting according to this website that could be wrong but i i decided not to fact check it because i thought it'd be interesting what was a song that you remember putting on your iPod, or what? It, what do you remember being the first song you put on your iPod? I don't know if you did. You guys have iPods? I had an iPod. I did. Okay, good. I always forget. An iPod Touch. I feel like I've talked about this before. I feel like our age gap is like just enough that we missed out on very specific things, maybe a little bit. But like, yeah, no. Um, Hanny, you go first. Man, I just opened up iTunes so I could try to check 
but I realized that I used my dad's account back in the day to get put songs on my iPod. Do you have a memory like uh so I'm not gonna lie, the first song I put on my iPod might have been a Minecraft parody. <laughs> uh was it at least uh tunnel vision? Because that one's good, unironically. They don't want to see, see me mining. mining. <laughs> no, I actually think it was the it was i think it was redstone the minecraft parody of magic by bob oh yeah i think i think that might have been the one that i put on my ipod but aside from that i think the first thing that i would have put on my ipod would have been owl city i think that's what i was listening to around the time i got an ipod it it probably was hello seattle just like that whole album I forgot about uh, that song. Oh fuck! By Al City, yeah. Ocean Eyes is an amazing album. Um, That's probably what was the first thing. Mike, what was yours? The first song on my iPod that you can um, remember. This isn't like a loose like. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, <laughs> one of the earlier thing, one of the earlier songs I remember listening to on my iPod was. Uh, What was one of the what was some of the other stuff? Uh, I when, when I was much younger, I used to listen to a lot of uh, Lupe Fiasco. Actually, Hanbo and I were just talking about this the other day, not the other day, like a week, like two weeks ago. But um, Paris Tokyo by uh, Lupe Fiasco that was a big one. That song is a great song. If you haven't heard it, definitely give it a listen. Um, Mike is so far uh, winning in the like still viable music department. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I also, I definitely have my fair share of, like, really, like, music that I really don't want to disclose on the internet, but I'm going to That's anyway. That's, like, the point like, of this uh, question. I'm going to expose 21 the Pilots sh- and stuff. And oh, uh, Why are you embarrassed by that? I think that that's true for anyone. This is, like, 2011, bro. <laughs> like, you're allowed to listen to 21 Pilots back then. Michael, who uh, wasn't listening probably, to 21 Pilots and back then? A- As of late, this is definitely going to not be a great look, but uh, definitely a lot of like Maroon 5 stuff, Adam Levine. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, yeah, me too. Back in like fifth grade, I was like... Uh, oh, hell yeah. What was that one song Maroon's that was like... like uh, <laughs> no, what was that one song that was the... The beat... The, the, like the boombox song or whatever? My heart's a stereo. Stereo yeah. heart. My heart's that's, a stereo. That's a, that's Michael, I I sang that song in is, my fourth grade talent show. You sang that in a talent show? Yes. Hannibal, I need the video. <laughs> I can't find it. It exists. You better but I don't get know looking. Where it is. Um, get, get the uh, but yeah, that song didn't have Adam Levine on it, and I had one of my friends feature as Adam Levine. In my fourth grade so talent that, show so production, you were, you were um, what's his name? Travis. I was Boy. all of Dream Class Heroes, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I... If I was just a dusty old seven pound boom box. Okay, Mike. Right. My <laughs> um, for me, mine is "Lose Yourself" by Eminem, the clean version. So half of it is just like not there. Um, I used to. I also think it's funny in hindsight to think about what I would replace the swear words with because I didn't know all of them. Um, I didn't know slurs very well, for example, so did not understand when some of the blurp outs, but um, what else was on there? I had, like, the Cars soundtrack on my iPod. A, a really big, probably the first, like, actual hip-hop I ever remember listening to was, funnily enough, uh, also Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City. Um, that was, like, 2000. 13 though 2000 i think it came out in 2012 but it came out in 2012 i was a i was a wee lad at that time the first hip-hop that i can remember listening to is probably 50 center kanye I think yeah my... Con- kanye goes way back it's I, probably can't, I, I don't think i can say that now i was gonna say yeah i need i need, a, I need to monitor my month ago maybe uh it's a little it's still difficult but i think it's funny to think about what my concept of kanye was back then because my only context for him was harder, better, faster, stronger, really? Because I lived in Canada. Um, mm, mm-hmm. I also knew he was like a, not a good. I knew he was an asshole because my dad had two students who played in one of his concerts. 
as like background musicians and he apparently really? yeah he was apparently a dick to them so that's always colored my parents view of kanye <laughs> is that he was an absolute asshole to my dad's students but um anyways um to close out we gotta pick who so each week at the end of the episode we're gonna randomly select from uh, from the pool of four hosts who was responsible for bringing an album next week and we're all gonna yeah, listen so, to it over the course of the week yeah um, the, the, pl- the plan is that yeah someone picks an album we have a randomizer i believe and yeah. uh and then it, uh, we all listen to it, study a little bit throughout the week, and then yeah, we uh, talk about it following weekend. Yep. Sophia just got back, so wait a second. But um, yeah, so I guess I will spin the wheel here. Do you want me to make sound effects while you spin the wheel? Uh, you can if you want to. Tick 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 tick. And no one's gonna listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I am because I have to fucking edit it. Um, the, the the next one's gonna be better. Something that I need to also clarify is that each week after you're picked, then you you're out of contention. Oh, Hannibal won. Yo, I won. Hannibal, what's your album? So the album that I've picked for us to listen to and then talk about for another hour, a week from today is chance the rapper's coloring book oh interesting oh, i was very thought... good pick i will that is I my i'm rapidly okay. looking forward to talking about that next week all right well yeah i was debating uh, if i should pick some shit that i guarantee neither of you have listened to but i decided for the for the first one at least i'll keep it something we've heard before but we could listen to more okay well we will do our best with that. I I'm excited for this. I went to the coloring book tour, so I You did. I'm, I'm very jealous about that. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. to revisit this. But yeah. I haven't really listened to that album in a long time, so I'm interested to see what my thoughts on it are gonna be now. But yeah, it's gonna so be fun. It's thank you to everyone who tunes in. Next week's episode yeah. will definitely be a little more uh concise put and put together. But I think that this should have been a good intro to the fact that none of us know what we're doing. And we're yeah, all <laughs> tune, back, tune back in next week to uh hear a, a, a more a, a better produced version of this about uh coloring book by chance hey, hey guys tune in next week to listen to mark mark mike fart into the microphone for four consecutive minutes <laughs> that that i can neither conform, conform <laughs> nor deny that will happen <laughs>